as I was standing over there, God was showing me that there's someone here. Someone listen to me right now that it seems like every door, every opportunity, everything is shut in your life. What man has closed, God can open. And when there seems no way, God makes a way. I don't know who that's for, but there's somebody. Don't give up because God has not done yet. He has the final word. He has the final word. Amen? Amen. I want you to grab your Bibles. Guthrie, Oklahoma City, Lexington, Mabel Bassett. Turn with me to the book of Exodus, chapter number 33. Continue a collection of talks. Life after the garden. The book of Exodus is about that. It's an exodus from Egypt, from 400 years of slavery. Headed with the destination, Canaan, the promised land. But as they get out, the children of Israel begin to make choices that are not in line with what God had for them and planned for them. Chapter number 32, they begin to make a golden calf. They, God got them out of Egypt, but now he needed to get Egypt out of them. And in verse 12 of chapter 33 is where I want to pick up my reading for today. One day Moses said to the Lord, you have been with me, you have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me I know you by name and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, I am personally I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. Come on, someone say amen, the reading of God's word. Father, we need your presence. Every day, we cannot make it without your presence. And God, may we have a very tangible, clear, conscious experience with your presence that catapults us into the greater things that you have in store for us. We don't want to go forward without your presence. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> 
it was the week before or the week of Christmas at North. I got in the vehicle to drive uh, to a destination. It was about 15 minutes away. And oftentimes when I get in the vehicle, I will either listen to a podcast, some leadership teaching, sermons, I love sermons. Um, sometimes music, very rarely, but sometimes I will just meditate and think and pray. So this day I was actually leaning toward the time of prayer. And so I began to pray as I was driving. And I mean, within just a minute, it switched into another gear. As I began to feel, I can't explain it other than the glory of the presence of God come into that vehicle. Oftentimes I pray and I will talk to God as I pray, but not, you know, you just do the thing. And it's been many, many months, if not years, where I felt what I felt that day driving in the vehicle. It was like waves of the presence of God in the vehicle with me, and I began to weep, laugh. I began to pray in languages. I, I've prayed in tongues many times, and I pray often in, um, in tongues, but this was different. I was praying in tongues that I've never heard come out of my body, and it was just a moment. When I got near my destination, I pulled over into a parking lot and stopped there. And as I stopped, I continued. Because I learned a long time ago that when God begins to move in your life, don't push pause and don't put him on hold. You gotta ride that wave. And I began to ride that wave and for another 30 minutes, which totaled it to a 45 minute time frame, before I began to feel the presence of God, we kind of leave and I was actually realized, okay, I can move on. To say I got this downloaded experience of like this plan and actions of what I should be doing day to day is not what happened, but I walked away with two words from that 45-minute period, and that was beyond belief. And I felt in my heart that I should unpack this to you all at some point. Well, that was a month and a half later. Uh, God began to, over that month and a half, begin to give me more clarity of what actually happened and what God wants me to do with that experience that I had in that vehicle that day. And one word that came to me very clearly was presence. That as we prepare in 2024 and move into this year, that God is going to do something beyond belief in my life and also your life as a whole in this church as a group, beyond belief. And so presence was the key word. And you realize throughout the Bible, presence is a very important part. In fact, you go back and look at Genesis chapter one and chapter two. It's about the manifest presence of God as God would walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening. God's presence was so real. They actually looked at him face to face and talked to him. They were with God. There was a level there that was unique, powerful. Then in chapter three, you've got man disobeyed God. A chasm comes. Sin enters the picture. And then it's a different journey for man from then on. All the way through the Bible, after chapter number two, it's been a different journey. Yeah, do we experience the presence of God? Yes, but not quite what it was in chapter one and chapter two. Then you go all the way into Revelation, the very last two books, chapters of the book of Revelation, 21 and 22. And what you find there is again, the manifest presence of God and God living among his people. The new heaven and the new earth, Eden, which was lost, is now Eden restored. And everything in between there was Man journeying 
in these moments in time where the presence of God, God moving in their midst, God working. And it's crucial to understand that there's this omnipresence of God. Say omnipresence. That's who God is. God is all powerful, all present, omnipresent. Even when you don't feel God, he's there. Even when you don't acknowledge God, he's there. Even when you're running from God, he's there. You can't play hide and seek from God. No, no, he's gonna show up, ask Jonah. You can try to run and get on a ship, he's gonna be there, he's gonna be there in the storm. He's gonna be in there when you throw over into the waters and then a well swallows you up and a large fish, he's there. God's there whether you make your bed in hell or make your bed on the top of a mountain. The omnipresence of God is there. But then there's also the manifest presence of God that I was feeling that day driving in the vehicle. It's where God begins to make himself tangible, clear, reveals himself. Maybe it's through a healing. Maybe it's through just a move of his spirit on your life. And I begin to think about how the moon reflects the sun, right? And I heard somebody say recently that uh, the moon can either choose to reflect the sun or not reflect the sun. And I'm like, no, I disagree with that. The moon has no choice. As God's creation is to reflect the image or the brightness of the sun. Now, we look at the moon and we see the dark side of the moon sometimes, and then we see different shades of the moon, and then we see a bright moon. But I checked this with NASA. NASA told me that if you pull away that the solar system, that basically the moon is always shining and reflecting the sun. And what we should be doing is we should be reflecting the son of God, Jesus Christ, and his glory and his presence because Jesus was the manifest presence of God among us. Matter of fact, it says this in Hebrews chapter one and verse three. The sun radiates God's own glory or presence and expresses the very character of God and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. What the book of Exodus is about is about the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and God's presence was gonna be with them. His presence would set them apart from the rest of the world. But the children of Israel struggled with that. Matter of fact, they hadn't been out there very long and Moses is on top of the mountain and the glory of God is there and they're worshiping a golden calf. They, they struggle. And then this passage when Moses is on top of the mountain comes down and he sees the golden calf being worshiped. He throws down his 10 commandments that God had given him. They break right there. And he's angry and mad at what's going on. And then he has this conversation with God. And God tells him right out of the gate, he says, you take these people of yours that you led out of Egypt and you take them to the promised land. First off, I would have had a problem with God. Because if you remember the story, God called him to do that. And Moses really didn't want to do that, but he did anyway. I'm saying, God, this is your people, which Moses says, and this is your problem. God even tells him, he says, hey, I'm gonna send an angel that will go before you to lead these people into Canaan. Now, that's a pretty good gig. Because if you know anything about angels, they're pretty powerful. <clears throat> one angel one time killed 185,000 soldiers in one night. That's pretty impressive. But you know what Moses says? He says, no, an angel is not good enough. 
If you don't send your presence with us, we don't want any part of it. Come on, there needs to be a place that we each come to in our own life that all we need is the presence of God. I, I don't need another angel, though an angel is nice and an angel is wonderful to have along with me, but I need the presence of an almighty God. I need God more than anything else in my life. Somebody say amen. And so we got to choose presence over, I'm going to give you a few things, over pressure. And pressure is a good thing. I'm not talking about a negative thing, but I'm going to get into a negative thing. In fact, if you take your blood pressure, having a pressure is what? Essential for life. Because if you have no pressure, you're what? Dead. But if you have pressure that's going skyrocketing off into the right, that's not good either because it's going to lead to death. What you need to have is the right amount of pressure. And it's the same way in everything in life. You want to have education. And so you put, you put pressure on yourself to get an education. When you work out, you flex the muscles and that right amount of pressure builds something up inside of you. But too much pressure can be a bad thing. Too much of one good thing, even a good thing can be a bad thing. But my God always exerts the right amount of pressure. But I'm gonna talk about one bit of pressure that we've got to release to God. And that is the pressure to control our lives. The pressure to be in charge. The pressure to be able to and it's because some, some of you right now, you're carrying that pressure of control. Sharon Miller made a, wrote a book called The Cost of Control. And in it, she deals with the concepts of the pressure of trying to control something. Anything that God has not given you to control will come with a cost. It will lead to anxiety. It will lead to worry. It will lead to fear. It will lead to anger. And it will lead to a whole bunch of other emotions. And at some point, you've got to release control to God and say, God, I cannot control my spouse. I cannot control my kids. I cannot control my employees. I cannot control my boss. I cannot control my finances. I cannot control my health. I've got to release it to God and trust God with the control issues in my life. God, it belongs to you. does not belong to me. Because in God's presence, there is perfect pressure. In other words, the, the word that is used there, glory, the, the passage that I read, the, the, the Hebrew word is kabod. It literally means weight, heaviness, strength. It, it means pressure. And God exerts the right amount of pressure that you need at the right time that you sometimes may feel the load of that. But he is shaping you. He is forming you. He is working in you. He is molding you into what he wants you to be. And he will give you the right amount of pressure. But when you begin to take on the pressure of the world yourself and to control things on your own, you're going to lose every time. The children of Israel struggled with this. Psalm 24, we just read this week. David is saying this. Listen, there's two different individuals. In the verse 7, it says, open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the, say it with me, king of glory enter. Then the second person chimes back to the first person and says, who is the, say it with me, king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty and Lord invincible in battle. Then the original person speaks up, says, open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors and let the king of glory enter. And then the person responds again, who is the king of glory? The Lord of heaven's armies. He is the king of glory. What is going on here? It is a reminder to the children of Israel of who is king. You're not king. You're not God. Matter of fact, you make a pitiful God. 
You're not master. You make a pitiful master. But when you release control to God, he is somebody that you can trust. He is king of glory, creator of all things. And even the chaos of this world, my God is in control, even when it seems like he is, the things aren't in control. My God is in control. In your life, the chaos in your life, if you will trust him, he will be in control of your life. Oh. You see, in his presence, we learn to release control to God. That's why we come into God's house and we need to be reminded each week that in his presence, I realize I need him. I need king of glory to step in. I need him to take charge. So first, choose presence over pressure. Secondly, choose presence over pleasure. You see, we are created for God's pleasure and God wants us to enjoy the life that he created. Revelation chapter four says, you are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and they exist because you created what you said with me pleased. Our grandchildren, there's nothing that we enjoy more than watching our grandchildren play. Playing with the stuff that we have made, stuff that we have bought, the stuff that, even if it's the boxes, you know what I'm talking about? You got all those toys and they're playing with the boxes. It's fun to watch them play and and enjoy the things that are for them to enjoy. And I think God looks down in heaven. He wants you to enjoy the things that he has created for you to enjoy. But the problem with my grandkids is sometimes every once in a while, they've got a little bit of the other side of the family in them. It's easy to blame somebody else, isn't it? And, And what they do is they begin to lose sight of what this is really meant for. And they begin to allow what, all of this good, enjoyable pleasure that should be so much fun, they begin to be ungrateful, ungrateful. They begin to say things like mine and rip from somebody else and they begin to fight over something instead of sharing. Oh, does anybody know what I'm talking about? And they forget who the source of all their pleasure is. And we can do the same thing as children of God playing on this planet that he created that we lose sight of what he has given us. We become ungrateful. The children of Israel struggle with that, of not being grateful. Then they begin to say it's mine, hoarding what they have, instead of realizing that my God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and you'll give this away, he'll give something back to me again. And that the source of everything comes from God. Every good and every perfect gift comes from the Father above with whom no shadow or variation of turning. It's not you that creates the goodness in your life, it's him. And he's meant for us to enjoy the pleasures that he has created for us. He continues on. He says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him, said with me, great pleasure. The children of Israel needed to be reminded that pleasure flowed from God's presence and that pleasing the flesh and our own desires is a cheap substitute for the pursuit of God's presence. Also, you gotta choose presence over productivity and performance. You see, God loves us for who we are, not for what we do. God loves you for who you are, not for what you do. 
He made us human beings, not human doings. Every one of our children, all three of them, and then all of our grandchildren, all four of them so far, and the fifth one come, I'm sure is gonna be the same. You know what? Even when they were in the womb, I loved them before I even met them. And when I met them, it just, the love just seemed to ooze out. Not one time with any of the children or any grandchildren that I stand over them and looked at them and said, I will, or think, even think or say this, I will love you when, fill in the blank. And most of us live our life in relationship with God thinking that that's what God thinks of us. I will love you when you fill in the blank. And the truth of the matter is we gotta understand that my God, he loved you before you were even around. He planned good things for you long before. He loves you the way you are. He loves you and he says, come, to, come on. He loves you because you're created in his image. Matter of fact, the Bible says, for we're not saved by our good works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift from God. And with that said, let me just say something. With every one of my children and the grandchildren, if you hear that young man there, he is a special young man that God created in his image. And we celebrate him and every person in this church. Let me, so, my grandkids and my children, every one of them, when they were born, I looked at them, I loved them. While I loved them as they are, I also had great expectations of what they can be. And do you realize that God in heaven has wonderful expectations for you? Matter of fact, it says this here. Look at it, it says in Ephesians chapter two. For we are God's workmanship. He created us anew in Christ so we can do these, say it with me, good things he planned for us long ago. Our performance and productivity should flow out of the presence with God, not the other way around. And for the children of Israel who had spent so many years in slavery, it was tough for them to break the performance and the productivity mindset. And when you're that way, it's like climbing a hill of mud. <clears throat> and you take one step and you slide down. One step and you slide down. And you keep trying to reach for higher levels, but you're always sliding back down. And that's what's gonna be if you chase productivity, you're gonna achieve some things in this world. And you're gonna reach up to higher heights and somebody's gonna applaud you and you're gonna get some extra money in the bank account you'll retire early and everything's gonna be great. For what? Only what's done for Christ is gonna matter. Only what's done for God is gonna matter. Let your productivity flow not out of your own strength but out of the presence of God. So choose presence over pressure. Choose presence over pleasure. Choose presence over productivity and performance. And choose presence over people. Get this. I'll say our vision together. Here we go. Love God, love people, follow Jesus. So it's love God and follow people, but right in the middle of that. Love God and follow Jesus, but right in the middle is love people. I got a question for you. Is the presence of certain people pulling you deeper into the presence of God or away? Because if there is somebody pulling you away from the presence of God, you need to walk away from them. Even if you're sitting beside them right now, what you need to do next week when you show up for church, sit on the other side. 
and everybody be watching, unless you're married to them, then pray Holy Ghost prayers. I'm telling you. We must be gathering and growing with the people of God. And if you find in the scripture and go back and read the Torah in the book of Exodus in the earlier passages, that oftentimes the evidence of the presence of God is found by how we treat people. All of the rules in Exodus and even Leviticus and even in Numbers is oftentimes about how that if we are people of presence of God, we're gonna treat people the way we should be treating people. There's so many laws in there in regards to how you should treat employees, how you should treat people that you work with, how that you should treat your neighbor. And when there's issues that arise, presence causes us to treat people rightly. Jesus one time in Matthew chapter number 17 goes to the top, which become the Mount of Transfiguration. And there out of eternity steps into time, two individuals, you may know who they were? Moses and Elijah. And so Peter, James, and John are with Jesus. And then Moses and Elijah just come out and begin to, and Peter's like, what does he do? When Peter don't know what to do, he just opens his mouth and starts talking. And he just says, hey, Lord, how about we build three tabernacles for each one of you? One for you, Jesus, one for Elijah, and one for Moses. And Jesus, in a, the way only he can do, basically tells Peter what my dad used to tell me when I was a teenager and I was speaking too much. He said, if you just shut up, Peter, you might learn something. If you just be quiet for a moment, you might learn something. Jesus comes down from the mountain in chapter number 18. He shares with the rest of them these words. Notice what it says in chapter 18. For where two or three are gathered together as my followers. Other translations say it, I like better, in my name. Read these three words with me. I am there. Say it again. I am there. One more time. I am there. There. There, there. Do you realize God's there all the time anyway, omnipresent. But there are moments when you're with other people in the presence of God that his manifest presence is gonna be at a whole other level. I'm talking about the manifest presence of God. In the book of Acts chapter number one, 120 gathered together, begin to pray. Chapter number two, it says that a wind began to blow from heaven and clothe in tongues of fire. And it was the launch of the church of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the presence of God because there is a manifest presence that begins to multiply its effect based upon the people that are gathered together. You see, that's why we gather together. That's why we should expect the miraculous. That's why we should expect life change. Because as we begin to gather together and you've got multiple people that want to seek the presence of God, it multiplies the impact. So how do we choose presence? Let me just break down some very practical ways. First off, you gotta realize your need for his presence. And I don't think sometimes we actually realize, we get up and we go through life without just stopping and acknowledging every moment of every day I need the presence of God. Matter of fact, get to the point to realizing that I cannot breathe my next breath without the presence of God. That I need God every day to make a business decision, to make the right decision. That I need God in every situation of my life. I cannot do it without God. This takes brokenness, it takes humility, it takes realizing 
that I need God more than anything else. You got to get to that point first. And then secondly, after realizing you need his presence, you got to position yourself for his presence. In other words, you've got to take active steps to say, I'm going to set with God's word. The bread of life and open it up and speak, let the word speak to me. And, and some days we're just doing this out of repetition. Some days we're doing this out of habit. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't let it be a checklist that you do just to say I'm spiritual. No, no, no. I'm talking about I choose to sit down knowing that I'm meeting with the God of this universe. And then every once in a while, his omnipresence switches into the manifest presence and I begin to experience something that I didn't experience before. That's why we get together. That's why we show up each week at church because there will be those moments where you keep showing up and there will be a manifest presence of God where you have a download from heaven that is gonna be just what you need to get you through the challenges that are gonna be ahead of you in the next week. You don't know what tomorrow holds. God does. That's why we come to him. So you gotta realize his presence desperately. You gotta position yourself for his presence. That's a position of your heart, but there's also some practical things which leads to the third thing. You got to practice his presence. When you walk out of here and you got a word from God, do something with it. When you open the word of God in the morning and you read it, do something with it. That's practicing the presence of God. And it will impact those around you. It will impact people in the marketplace that you stand at the grocery store beside. And I believe there should be a place that if we walk in the presence of God, that people will begin to notice the very tangible anointing on our lives. Okay, chapter 33, Moses begs, says, God, I don't wanna go unless your spirit goes with me. Chapter 34, Moses is back up on the mountain with God. God gives him the download again of the commandments that he had broken, gives him in a second <laughs> group and he carries them down. And when he comes down the mountain this time, the scripture says, that they saw him and people could not even look at Moses because they said, the presence of God is so real in your life. And they said, would you please put a veil over your face? And Moses did that when he would talk to the people. Oh, oh, come on. How about you and how about me? I believe that there's a place that we can walk with God to the point that people that we meet randomly can just, I'm not talking about they say, oh, your glory, I cannot even look upon you. But I'm talking about that they sense and they feel and they are attracted to the presence of God that is upon your life because they know that there's hope in the presence of God. There's encouragement in the presence of God. Now, there's some people that may repel. I know, I don't, because I've seen that happen too. The closer you get to God, it's gonna repel certain people. But there's certain people that down inside, they're looking for hope. They're looking for answers. They're looking for healing. They're looking for freedom. They're looking for that that they need and they'll see it in you because you've been in the presence of God. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter three. We'll wrap up here. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I want you to stand with me. Stand. Notice what it says on the screen. The old way with laws etched in stone 
led to death, though it began with such, say it with me, glory. That's the presence of God. That the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. For his face shone with the, say it with me, glory of God. Even though the brightness was already fading away. Oh, now this is key. Leave it up there. Don't, don't, don't move it. Just <clears throat> read that. Shouldn't we expect far, say it with me, greater glory. Say it again. Greater glory. One more time. Greater glory. Under the new way, now that the Holy Spirit is giving life, what's your excuse? Is anybody listening? What's your excuse? Moses had a fading glory. We have a growing glory that is revealed through Christ Jesus and the giving of the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. How many need the presence of God? The presence of God is wanting to move in your heart right now to set free, to deliver, to give hope, to direction, answers. Don't, don't run from his presence, run to his presence. I'm gonna pray, our prayer team is coming, but some of you right now need to run into his presence. Many of you need to run to his presence. You can come out of prayer team, you can fall on your face, let's go after God. But I'm telling you, your answer for your children is the glory and the presence of God. The answer for your marriage is the presence and the power of God. The answer for your struggles and your addiction is the presence and the power of God. The answer to your frustration, your anxiety, your anger is the presence and the power of God. The answer to whatever you're facing is the presence of God. We need the presence of God more than ever. Somebody go after the presence of God. We need the presence of God. These altars are open. This place that you can come and say, God, I need your presence. Maybe you want to join somebody in prayer. Let's go after him in Guthrie and Oklahoma City right now. Father, do your thing. Come, manifest your presence. And I know that you will through hearts that are hungry. In your name, Jesus. In your name, Jesus. Show us your glory. Show us your glorious presence.